this morning there's something of that spirit of Jesus' heart for us where he's got this profound and abundant heart for us that I want to tell you about, um, but it also has to be received to be enjoyed. Um, Jesus can run around the universe telling everything and everyone about his love for us, but it, it really kind of comes together when it's received from him and enjoyed by us with him. And so we're going to look at something uh, this morning. We're starting an Advent series that will go the next four, <coughs> four weeks. And this morning's one is, um, thanks Will for the slide. Uh, will Main, it looks fantastic. Appreciate it. Yeah, why don't you just ooh and ah quickly for Will. <laughs> thanks Will. Uh, everything after this has had my touch, so if it goes sideways, <laughs> it's not Will's fault. Um, <laughs> So, look at that one for a second, and then uh, you can go to the next one. The, the seri- this, today's question is, uh, what's on your Christmas list, uh, is today's title. Um, some say that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, some even say that it could be the happiest season of all. Um, this week, my family asked me what I want for Christmas. They asked me to make a list, and they plan to get to know that list very well, and then try and uh, get some things that are on that list. What's on your list for Christmas? It's been Black Friday uh, this whole week, Um, (laughs) uh, and we don't even have Thanksgiving, so I'm not really sure the context for it except for sales. Now, this isn't a talk on money, but just a side note that a sale is not a sale. If you're still spending money, it's spending, not savings. So you might spend less, but it's still spending. Um, Just consider that. uh, why, Why is that important? Well, I got two texts from members of my family with the Black Friday sales within five minutes of each other, and they were in two different parts of Perth. So I'm not even sure how they, but they both sent me a text to say, should we buy something? It's Black Friday. <laughs> it was like, like anything, something, what thing? And I, no, I don't know. It's like big savings. Should we get something? Uh, the answer is no. If, <laughs> no, we shouldn't. We should not look at our phones or advertisements or anything for the next week. Um, so who wants, just joking, but when you think about your Christmas list, and I am going to make one and my family is going to get to know it and I'm sure they're going to get a lot that's on it, but um, who wants a new phone? Or a new... <laughs> <laughs> if the sermon continues to go in this direction, <laughs> no one is going to get anything from it. I need people to uh, try and understand what I'm trying to say (laughs) and know when to keep silent. So I saw a hand at the back there. If you could could next time say it much louder than the nose. Um, Who would like a smartwatch or AirPods or a holiday overseas? (laughs) Okay, we're back in business. or clothes, or a car, or who would like to fall in love? Um, (laughs) Who would like a puppy, or a motorbike? Um, Who would like a job? (laughs) Um, Who would like some family time? Who would like family time with family that you haven't seen in a year or two? Oh, gee, Let's move on. <laughs> Pretend you're five years old and you totally believe in Santa and you go to the mall or the shopping center and there is Santa and he's asking you the question, what do you want for Christmas? 
and you can tell him, what's the one thing you say to Santa, this is what I want? And you're not allowed to say world peace, no one gets that. <laughs> what, what do you want? Maybe just think about it, think about it enough to be able to tell the person next to you what you would say to Santa today, the, the today you. Not the five-year-old version of you, but the today you. What would you say to Santa, I want this? But yeah, you don't have to tell us, just tell someone around you. Okay. So, now maybe you didn't think about it in these categories, but I'm going to add some categories for you to think within. What would uh, give life meaning? Who, who wanted something that would give life meaning? What would be worth almost any price? Uh, yeah, you don't need to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Don't answer these questions. <laughs> What would you be, what would you willingly sacrifice anything for? Jesus. <laughs> so NASA and my kids are going to get to know my list and I'm sure they're going to get me some stuff um, and I'm going to get to know theirs and I hope that you get to know uh, the people that, that you live closely amongst, um, friends and family. I hope that you get to know their love languages that in the season we can pour love out on one another um, in ways that are meaningful to one another. I hope we do that. Um, but this is the question I want to try and answer today is, what does Jesus want for Christmas? Do we know that? Can, do we know how to answer that? Um, maybe you think you know what Jesus wants. Maybe you know that you know what Jesus wants. Maybe you know that you don't know what Jesus wants. Um, but what if what Jesus wants for Christmas uh, doesn't matter too much to us. What if it does matter too much? I mean, it, it would be great to know what Jesus wants for Christmas. I'd like that. I'd like to know what my kids want. I'd like to know what my wife wants. I'd like to even know what I want. But I'd mostly like to know what Jesus wants for Christmas. And I'd like to try and answer that. And the good news is that Jesus told us. And so we're going to go find it in the Scriptures. The Bible records Jesus praying about 21 times. Um, and John records what has become known as the high priestly prayer. Um, and in this high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for himself, Jesus prays for the disciples that are around him, and Jesus prays for his future disciples, which is us. And it's at this point that I'm going to pick up a line from Jesus' prayer when he's praying for those who would follow him, us, uh, and we're going to, oh, it's already there. Um, Father, I desire that they all whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus has this prayer. He's, he's uh, going to go to the cross. Um, he's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's going to be raised. He's going to ascend. Uh, he, this is the context. I mean, this is the night before he's murdered, and this is his prayer. Uh, this is what he desires for us. Father, I desire that they all whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because of, you have loved me before the foundation of the world. So I want us to notice a few things about this. Um, what does Jesus want? Or Jesus, what do you want? Number one, notice that Jesus talks to the Father about you. How does it feel to have someone talk about you behind their back? Normally we get a bit insecure about that, right? But we don't have to be when it's Jesus. He does talk to the Father behind our back. Uh, and it's wonderful things. He desires, he talks to the Father about wanting us to be with him. Um, he prayed for himself. He prays for us. 
And he says, Father, I want them to know you. I want them to know me. I want them to be in our relationship. I want them to see us as we are. Um, I want them with us. And so Jesus knows you, and he loves you, and he talks about you. Paul, the writer of Hebrews, says that in uh, one of the conversations Jesus is having is that he's pleading for us. He's interceding for us before the Father. He's totally talking about you behind your back. And while you're trying to learn how to walk with him, and you stumble and you fall and you get up, and, and he helps us along the way by the Holy Spirit, the whole time he's interceding for us, praying for us, wanting the best for us uh, before the Father and wanting us with him. Um, so notice that. Father, I desire them. Uh, number two, notice that Jesus desires you. <laughs> He's totally talking, uh, sorry, uh, this isn't his duty to uh, speak to the Father about you. This is his heart to desire you. Um, the word desire here means to wish or to will or to want what is best for someone and be, be willing to make it happen for them. And this is it. Jesus is saying, I desire them. I'll do anything that is necessary to get them. I want them with me, Father. I want all that you've given to be with me, Father. Anaya defines friend as, and, and this may be my paraphrased version of it, ask him and he'll tell you the uh, sweet-sounding, sophisticated Italian version of it. But it goes something like, a friend is someone who makes better decisions for you than you would make for yourself. Jesus is more than a friend. Jesus stood in our place. He makes better decisions for us uh, than we would make for ourselves. And of course, we know that um, Jesus will do anything, not only make better decisions for us, but he'll do anything um, for those decisions to be made on our behalf um, to make it happen. John, that's John 15 verse 13. tells us about that. No greater love has a man in this and to lay down his life for his friends. That's way more than just a decision. Um, notice that, number three, notice that Jesus sees you as a gift from the Father. So it's Christmas season. It's all about gifts. And uh, Jesus, was, Jesus was a gift from the Father to sinners. He was sent to us as a, you know, um, for God so loved the world that he gave. So Jesus was a gift for us to receive. It's silly not to receive a good gift. You, you, you should totally receive the good gifts, especially when they come from the glorious Father. But we are the gift from the Father to Jesus. Have you realized that? Have you realized that you are a gift? You don't get like neatly wrapped in that. You, well, maybe you do. You get wrapped in the, the soilment of our sins. And Jesus kind of like washes us clean and, and, and makes us good. But he, we're a gift to Him. He loves us. Father, I want all of them that you've given me. You're not the kind of gift that someone wants to sell on the 26th of December on Marketplace. You know those gifts? You get either, maybe you get two of them. So maybe Jesus is like, well, I've already got a six foot four redhead. I don't need another one. Um, I'll get rid of Mark. Or I've already got a bunch of Australians. We don't need more. How many can heaven take? Let's get rid of the excess. Um, or that's not really what I wanted, Father. I, I, I would just get that, that's the kind of person I'll just get rid of on Marketplace. You're not that kind of gift. You're the kind of treasured gift. When I was about, I'm not going to say my age because I think I was probably a little bit too old to be enjoying this, but uh, I got rollerblades for Christmas. And, um, I'm, I, and um, my family, we got Christmas presents every other year, so every two years. My parents weren't mean. They were just poor. 
So uh, we'd kind of save up, and every two years they'd buy us Christmas presents. And then it wasn't really Christmas presents, it was after Christmas presents, because that's when the after, sale, after Christmas sales were. So we, they could get us better presents if they waited a day or two. And so these rollerblades came, I don't know, like the 27th or 28th of December, we got our Christmas present rollerblades. And um, they were terrible. They, they were so bad that on like a steep downhill, they would slow down to a stop. There was no roll in the rollerblades. The bearings were non-existent. I remember popping a bearing and not even knowing, besides for the fact that I saw the wheel rolling and falling somewhere else. Uh, rolling down, the, the, the wheel was turning much faster now because the bearings weren't holding it back. Um, that's how I knew my rollerblades had broken. But I loved these things. You'd put them on and they'd squeeze your feet with this hard plastic um, they wouldn't, and you'd have to use your little legs to push as hard as you could so that you could keep moving forward with the constant kind of pressure stopping you. Um, and I, I would wear these things for hours and hours and hours until my feet couldn't take it. There were blisters on my feet. and um, They were just the greatest present to me. I, I absolutely treasured them until I grew out of them. I, I used to wear them until my toes were like turning into knuckles because they were so tight at the ends. But I, even in talking to you about them, I, you can see how much I've loved them. Um, against all odds, I loved them. And I really do. I can remember their smell. I remember how I used to keep them under my bed, neatly. It, 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 uh, our kids will never put anything neatly because they don't understand what it's like not to have. Uh, Seinfeld has this wonderful thing of our previous generations, you know, to have anything good, you had to kind of work hard to kind of have, so you, you treasured everything. Where this generation kind of, Younger, growing up, everything's good. So when you don't have it, you kind of feel bad. And you think the world's wrong because I don't have something I should have, which is good. My point being, um, these terrible rollerblades got treated like gold. And they sat in neat rows under my bed. Um, and I can remember their smell. And they were just great. But, but they were rubbish rollerblades and would, would never sell in Marketplace, that's for sure. Um, my point here, what's the point? Jesus doesn't love you because you're perfect. Jesus loves you because you're his gift from the Father, because he's, you are what he wants. You don't have to be perfect to be the gift that he loves. You, you just have to be you. You're incredibly precious to him. Number four, notice that Jesus wants you to be with him. Jesus wants you to be geographically where he's located. He told the disciples that he wasn't going to leave them in John 14, 2 verse 3. He just said, I'm just going ahead of you. That's different. I mean, Jesus did leave earth. He's like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm just going to go ahead of you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm, uh, my father, there's many, many rooms and there's room for everyone. And if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have said so. But that's where I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a home for you. And that's, that's the same for us. He's just gone ahead of us. He hasn't gone away from us. And Jesus wants to prepare this garden city for us to dwell in with him in the presence of God. And, and when he's done, he's going to return to bring us there. And so for Jesus, heaven is being with you. For Jesus, heaven includes being with you. Just think about that. Most of us know each other fairly well. Sometimes I've thought... Man, when we go to heaven, God must change us a lot because I can't imagine heaven being in eternity with so-and-so. <laughs> or myself. Oh my gosh, people have to live with me forever? 
wow, God must, must be changing us big time. But that's, I'm adding to, that's not what's revealed to us. What's revealed to us is that for Jesus, heaven includes being with you. Just, just you. Don't add anything to that. Don't add the glorified version of you. Don't add just you. Can't imagine it without you. Is heaven, is for, is heaven for you being with Jesus? Not everyone enjoys my company. That's not a surprise to me. But Jesus does. That blows my mind. Not everyone enjoys your company, but Jesus does. Wow. Heaven is being with Jesus. Number five, notice that Jesus wants you to experience His relationship with the Father. He wants you to see Him as He has seen the Father. This means He wants you to join in the relationship that He has. So He wants us to see His glory. There's a sense of like the joy and the glory and the delight that the Trinity has in one another as they experience one another, as they have fellowship with one another. And Jesus says, I want them to see me as I am with you in glory. And I want them to see our relationship. That means Jesus wants us to participate in that relationship, to be in that relationship, to experience the joy of their glory. It's an incredible invitation. It's an incredible expectation that we will join in the glory that the Father has in the Son. And the honor that the Spirit gives to the Father and the, just however you want to say it. But this Trinitarian mystery of joy and love and honor that we're invited into it to part- participate in it. What is God like? If we're going to, if we're going to be like, what, what is God like? How, how should we expect to see Him? As, uh, in Exodus it says, The Lord passed before Moses. And proclaim. So this is God telling us what He is like. What might God say? I am majestic. I am mighty. I am awesome. I am all full if you're against me. Be careful. I, what might He say? This is what He says. The Lord, the Lord, a God of merciful, the, uh, sorry, a, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Wow. This is the same time that God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and often God of the Old Testament gets a bad rap, but this is how he introduces himself, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Continues about how it will be good to a thousand generations. What is Jesus like? Is he any different? In Matthew, Jesus (coughs) tells us that I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul in me. This is what God invites us to enjoy. His mercifulness, His graciousness, His patience, His steadfast love, His gentleness, His humility of heart, His ability to satisfy our souls. Jesus wants us to experience that for a very long time. So what does Jesus want for Christmas? Jesus wants all people God the Father has given Him to be with Him and to see Him as He is now. Three quick points, and then I'm going to land. And quick is up to interpretation. (laughs) How much does Jesus want this? How much does Jesus want all people God the Father has given Him to be with Him and to see Him as He is now? Well, number one, It's literally his definition of eternal life. 
In John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? It's many things. But what it definitely is, is knowing God. Being in fellowship. D.A. Carson says, Eternal life is not so much everlasting life as knowledge of the everlasting one. Similarly, Bruce Milne writes, We were made to experience this, and in the absence of it, the human spirit is forever unsatisfied. Augustine famously wrote, and I'm sure you've all heard it quite prayerfully, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they rest in you. In other words, eternal life is about the quality of life we experience in knowing God, not the quantity of life we experience. And part of that we can understand because when we think about eternity in terms of time, whose mind doesn't break? Do you ever get that horrible, irritating feeling when the sides of your head are hit with the thought you can't quite, ah, forever, 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 when is forever and forever, oh, no, this, this isn't making any... And when we think about the, quality, the quantity of eternity, it's, it's just not something we can quite land. We can get it, we can understand, but we just can't. When we think about the quality of relationship, we totally understand it. Because this is exactly what we're made for. And God has even made our brains to not understand the minor bits that happen uh, coincidentally, but the major bits for which we're created. We can totally understand that we are made for relationship. And that's what eternal life is. Relationship in the presence of God. To know Him. Now we can't understand how wonderful that's going to be because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared. But we know we're made for it. So how much does Jesus want this? For Jesus, eternal life is relationship with you. It's His very heart. It's what He wants in the deepest part of His heart. Number two, He was willing to put in the work for it. John 14, 4 says, I glorified you on earth, Father, having accomplished the work you, have, you gave me to do. So Jesus comes and He says, I've done the work you've given me to do. Jesus didn't do everything, but He did all the work that God gave Him to do. Jesus understood that this gift from the Father was going to take some time. It was going to take some work. And so He put it in. He put the work in. He did it. He called disciples. He taught. He trained. He traveled three, for three years without a home or a bed. He proclaimed the kingdom. He healed people. He fought against the Pharisees. He had all-night prayer meetings. Uh, he went to the cross, bearing our shame and guilt. And the worst part of the job wasn't the flesh-ripping whip or the nails driven through his limbs or hanging on a splintered cross or even being mocked by those who came to sa- he came to save or even... Uh, being rejected by his disciples. The worst part of all the work that he had to do was the vulnerable moment that in order to finish it, God the Father would have to forsake him. But he was able to say on the cross, it is finished. The work is done. The work of saving these people, the work of justice and mercy, meeting at the cross, it's finished, it's done. How much did Jesus want this? Jesus did the work. So that now you and I can sing. I know that it is finished. He sacrificed. Number three. 
How much did Jesus want this? He sacrificed everything for it. John 17, 5 says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Before Jesus entered the world, he enjoyed a glory that no eye had seen and can describe. To enter the world and to stand in our place, Jesus had to enter humanity with the limitations of flesh. He had to put on flesh. And he had to come as a person. And so to do this, he had to take off his magnificent glory, which all the creatures in heaven had spent an eternity before worshiping. And he had to take that off. He had to put it aside and to enter the world without glory. Isaiah says, Jesus, or he grew up like a tender shoot, green shoot in dry ground. (laughs) There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one from whom others hide. It's the very opposite of what he had been for all eternity pre, pre, previous to that. He took off his glory to become that, fr- that from which people hide. Took off his strength to put on vulnerability. He took off his majesty and beauty. He gave up the reverence of heavenly creatures. And he put on our sorrows and griefs. How much does Jesus want it? He sacrificed everything for it. That's how much. Jesus wants all people, God the Father has given him, to be with him and to see him as he is now. That's what he wants. I see on this Christmas list, Father, give the, the, uh, I want all those who you've given me to be with me and to see me. It's literally Jesus' definition of eternal life. He's willing to put in all the work and he sacrificed everything for it. Let me think like this. Well, the point I want to drive home is that Christmas is about what Jesus wants for you, not from you. In other words, Jesus entered the world not to put onto you a set of laws and regulations. Jesus entered this world, the baby born in Bethlehem, because of what He wants for you and for Himself. He wants us to be with Him to see Him, and to know Him. He wants you to know and enjoy Him and to see His glory. I hand over to Josh in a couple of seconds, but what's on your Christmas list? I want to land with this question. What if you wanted what Jesus wanted this Christmas? What if His desire and your desire were the same? Remember I spoke a little bit about Dixon and Ruth earlier? He wanted Ruth. Ruth wasn't sure. Well, that didn't mean too much. Nothing could really happen. But one day, desire, their desire met. He wanted her and she wanted him. And a courtship began. And a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that there's a little baby in the oven. And this little romantic couple has turned into a growing family. 
Jesus has this desire for us, longs for us, does everything for us. He literally, the definition of heaven is with us. What if we wanted what he wanted, which is him? What would this Christmas season look like if your deepest desire was for a relationship with Jesus?